0: Welcome to Hard Truth. Today, I'm excited. We are joined by Kennedy Cooper, host of Not Safe for Wonks and other shows, and also one of the founders of Not Safe Media. How are you doing today?
1: Hey, thanks so much for having me. I'm doing okay. It's been weird. Uh, Yesterday was my birthday and also there was a weird theatrical uh, fascist thing that happened. Um, Yes. Yeah. And uh, (laughs) it was just like a, I already expected it to be like a mediocre birthday because there's a pandemic that's been going on. This is just one of the many sort of Doomsday esque news stories in the, in the news every day right now.
0: <laughs> right, I'm sorry to hear that that happened on your birthday. What? What? A I mean, I don't want to make it all about
1: me, but I'm just saying it was just like a well, this is gonna be a shitty day. Let's just accept that now. And uh, just ended up streaming a lot of the news and uh, you know putting off some of the plans that I had to maybe have more fun and doing more of that stuff like today and tomorrow.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think um I know that I was in a weird mental state space after that and during all of it. And I'm not sure it's quite over yet. So I would assume that you're, well, likely a lot of us are in the same place.
1: I'm just frustrated mostly because I've been really like sincerely trying to warn people about disinformation and the fascist project for many years. That's like the main reason that I got into doing this media is because I felt like I needed to try to amplify these ideas further that like, you know, there was a problem and that like these things were going to continue to get worse and that like things like this were going to eventually happen. And uh, it's like that was one of my biggest feelings yesterday was just this frustration at watching like especially dorky liberals on Twitter just be like, what? How did this happen?
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah, I felt like it was pretty obvious and has been for a while that that was the direction we were going in. So the people who were surprised by it, um, it really annoyed me yesterday. But I'm more annoyed today by the media's spin on things and hearing that the you know Antifa was behind it. It's like you guys are nuts.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, just ridiculous the the whole thing. It's it's it couldn't be more theatrical for them to then try to pin it on the left somehow.
0: Um. <laughs> it's always the end goal. It's the left's fault for everything. I mean, I'm used to
1: being blamed for weird shit, but. Uh, <laughs> I- I can assure you, really, really, the left did not do this one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man. Okay, so I think this is probably a good transition for um you to explain to my listeners what wonks mean. So <laughs> I, I asked this right before we started recording and I think it's it's good for people to hear what what wonks actually stands for so that maybe they can decide if they want to go and listen to that too
1: (laughs) yeah so um a wonk is somebody who cares more about the like sort of obsessive details of policy than the broader strokes or sort of emotional context of politics perhaps nuance well yeah kind of um but also just like i feel like a lot of times wonks are really obsessed with like, you know, moving something over a column in the tax line to blah, blah, blah. And they're not really looking at like the larger trends of where politics is going, which is why, you know, these people were shocked and why like Nate Silver was tweeting about the Georgia Senate elections. And like, that was the only thing that anyone should care about, Um, (laughs) you know, in the middle of a attempted insurrection of the government. Now, admittedly extremely theatrical i want to be clear about that because these people are not powerful in a traditional sense
0: oh no i think the best part for me was watching some of them come out after like what? one of them came out gave up because they cut themselves on the window going in and then just came right back out and then there was somebody who was like maced or something and came out crying it was like, you guys obviously didn't see what the rest of us went through when we were protesting or else you'd be prepared for this.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I mean, they should have been prepared for more, except that, you know, they're going to be glad handed because these people are their friends.
0: Yeah, that's true as well, which was, you know, on the one hand, it was funny to see them come out acting like that. On the other hand, it it was uh, pretty frustrating or not even frustrating. It was was more than that. It was almost made me irate to see that they were not getting the same sort of treatment. Granted, they didn't keep protesting for two or three days at a time, which I think at some point they would have gotten the same treatment, But it was frustrating to see them make it further into a place they should not have been and not be getting as much of a violent response as we had seen before.
1: I can guarantee you they'll they'll never they could be in the streets for a week. They'll never get the response that like BLM protesters or other left wing type protest groups will get Um, in the same day, you know, that this Uh, These people are charging the halls of Congress, um, doing things that are like mega crimes, Um, (laughs) according to the law, which, you know, whatever, but like, this is what they say that they are following whenever they arrest us. Uh, On the same day, they arrested far more leftist protesters just in the city of Atlanta who were counter protesting. Oh, my God. Um, Just in one city they arrested that was not at the epicenter of this stuff. Um, Although a lot of stuff did go down in Atlanta yesterday because a lot of cities had weird stuff happen yesterday. Yeah. So, you know, they're never going to... And again, it's because these people are their friends. You know, the FBI uh, was investigating white supremacist infiltration of law enforcement and was reporting that, hey, there's actually a shit ton of white supremacist. Can I swear on the show? I forgot to
0: ask. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you've already dropped quite a few. It's totally
1: fine. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'm, I'm, you know, it's a little later in the day than I normally record and I'm just swearing now. Sorry. Um. <laughs>
0: yesterday, yesterday on the other recording At the very end I just went on a rant Where I was just going off about Trumpers And I'm pretty sure there was
1: quite a few F-bombs in there So it's fine <laughs> Alright cool So uh, yeah There's just there's a shit ton of white supremacists that have infiltrated law enforcement Um, and uh, the FBI was investigating this and when Trump took office he shut that investigation down and I actually think if you want to talk about damaging things that Trump did that's a huge one that hasn't been talked about enough Um, because people should have known more of what was going on but instead it like this issue got downplayed in part because the investigation just stopped.
0: Uh, talk about things that like if this was a book was foreshadowing that would be one of them (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's really you just can't express if if you're a reader or you like i mean even if you like movies and tv shows you you really can't um express how much the last four years has been like a badly written TV show.
1: You know, honestly, I wish people would have the credulity for TV that they have for this stuff. Just give TV writers a little bit more of a break and be more skeptical of real life.
0: (laughs) Right? I mean, for me, watching things, like in you know, and I think I tweeted about this earlier, watching him get elected, I remember crying um, and I couldn't really explain to the people around me why I was so upset because I wasn't going for the other person. I wasn't um, really invested in even the election itself. At, at that point, I wasn't super political, and, but I was so upset and I just remember thinking like I could see that this was going to be very bad. This was going yeah. to lead to some very bad stuff happening. And all I could say was that, you know, he's a bad person. What else am I supposed to say? I just, I have a feeling. And it wasn't until things started to actually go wrong where it was like, well, I kind of saw that coming and, you know, didn't expect him to go that far, but uh, who's surprised. Um, it was, yeah, it it's a movie. It's It's a long, drawn-out TV show that we're never going to get out
1: of. Yeah, to me, when Trump was elected, it just felt like, and I mean, I no love for Hillary Clinton at all, but but when Trump was elected, it still felt like, okay, the fascist project is like many years ahead of where I thought it was. Like this thing that I'm trying so desperately to let people know about uh, in my life that I see as like the most dangerous political trends, these things are even more popular than I thought they were.
0: Yeah, for me it was, and it's become more relevant, I think, uh, to other people and not just me. So I, I work in my my normie job is in tech, basically. So I've had various different jobs in in computer hardware, and then it went into servers, and then it went into actual websites and hostings and applications and development and all that. And the election and what followed in the days after let me realize how severe the damage was from the bubble that these tech companies is creating which if you don't if you don't know about the bubble yeah. the bubble is basically all these ad companies and google and twitter and facebook seeing that you liked or watched or invested time in a certain thing and so they start s- showing you more of that thing which causes a snowball effect of where the only things you see are things that you would agree with. So you're in an echo chamber and you're in a bubble. And this is actually, I think, a huge part of what caused where we are today uh, on both sides. So the violent ones and what we saw yesterday, for sure, they're in a bubble that they can't get out of and they don't cross-reference anything. They don't check anything. But also we are too, you know. So we're if all we did was like and subscribe and follow and watch things that were positive, leftist, dis, you know, decisions or opportunities or or things, then all we would see is positive. But lately, we've been throwing out, look at this bad stuff that's happening to the other side. So all we're getting presented with is things that are right leaning, that are negative. and wow. we're in an echo chamber. And that, I think, for me, at least for someone who's in that industry, is the biggest contributor to how polarized we are today.
1: Yeah, tech is weird, you know, but it's also like it makes sense because right now tech is the industry where capitalism seems to most be functioning in a way that benefits the most people. So for the people that get sort of steeped into that culture, a lot of the times it's like, well... They, they feel like they are the vanguard of hope in a way, when in reality, it's like there's always been some industries that get, you know, sort of elevated at any given time in history and get like sort of a better treatment as a result. And it's it's not necessarily that meaningful in the long run.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not wanting these big tech companies to get taken down. Obviously, it's my career outside of podcasting. Um And that, yeah, the capitalism, you can gain capital pretty quickly if you if you get a good group of people together that know what they're doing in a particular field. And the tech industry is very, very broad now that there's so many different avenues that you can take. And so I can't be the one that says, hey, this echo chamber is bad. We should stop that. I do think we need to have possibly a section of government that's kind of keeping an eye on that. (laughs) And regulations definitely need to be made.
1: My takes are probably a little more extreme, but we don't have to get into all of that because that's that's kind of boring talk.
0: Yeah, you know what? (laughs) On that note, guys, the whole reason I had Kennedy on was totally different than this conversation. (laughs) It just sort of happened. I'm sorry. We can talk to each other. But let me just reel it in a little bit here. (laughs) Okay, so let's get let's get down to the point here. So you identify yourself as they or them. So for someone who isn't familiar with what that means, how would you explain that to those people?
1: Yeah. so um the identity that I usually label myself with is non-binary and I use they them pronouns. And that is an identity that um, a lot of people struggle to understand. And, you know, um, what I'd love to just let y'all know is that I sh- I struggle to understand too. <laughs> but, but it's also, it's, at, at some point in your life, I feel it's important to recognize that, like, listening to your feelings has some value and isn't just like an inherently irrational thing to do. Um, And if you feel a certain way um, and you feel like living under, well, living in a way where that way that you feel is on the outside would feel better, then I kind of think you should do it sometimes, (laughs) right?
0: Yeah, for sure. I. Um, I I mean Sorry. at what point did you decide um obviously I haven't known you for very long um what I guess how old were you when you realized that this was this was you and that you didn't identify with any particular gender
1: Well you know it's interesting because I I really wonder if I had been given the language that I wouldn't have identified as this from a, a very young age because the first experiences that I remember having with gender that inform the way I feel are very young. Um, And it was stuff like being treated weird for wanting to uh, sometimes buy like very girly toys and things like that. But at the same time, I never felt like, uh, and I can get more into my experiences with like, just sort of exploring these boundaries, but I I never really felt like, oh yes, I am a girl or I am a woman. I just felt like uh, sometimes I want to be feminine in this way that doesn't seem to be allowed. And I don't want to have to give up every single thing about masculinity to do that either. So yeah, you go ahead.
0: Yeah. (laughs) You know what? It's interesting hearing that because I'm going through something uh, of my own right now with my own kids. So I have two kids. They're both toddlers. I have a boy and a girl. And my son, I've tried really hard other than just saying boy and girl because they, they're they only 19 months apart. So they were both in diapers, getting diaper changes, going through the things that babies do um, at the same time. So, I had to identify that they were different physically in some way or another because they were noticing and they were asking questions. So, the boy-girl thing, I did. But I tried to make sure that, like, no particular color was related to one gender or the other and no names were that or or there wasn't girl toys or boy toys. You could have whatever you wanted. You can be interested in whatever you want. And... um. I was very clear on that and I've tried very hard and and tried to be very careful about it. But my son, out of nowhere, at some point during 2020, got mad at me because I gave him a sandwich on a plate that had a princess on it. And he told me that it was a girl's plate. And I mean, it was almost jarring how angry he got about it. He's five now. And so I turned around and, and was like, obviously, like, no, that, you know, it's a princess on it, but you can have whatever you want. And then it started spreading into other things like colors. Um, he was trying to tell me that pink was a girl's color and he couldn't have it because he was a boy. So I'm fighting that right now. <laughs> and hearing you say that you felt that at a young age is just immediately taking me to my recent experiences with him because it's confusing for me where this yeah. came from and where he's hearing that, or who told him that, or, you know, I have no idea. And the amount of anger that's coming out of him makes me feel like he, he might be fighting some identity himself. I don't want to project on it, but it's like, why are you so mad right now?
1: (laughs) Well, I think you don't have to project everybody um, grapples with identity at some point. Sure. So like, even if you know whatever it doesn't really matter like he's he's grappling with something you know and it's okay to say that it's probably a bit of an identity crisis it just doesn't necessarily mean any particular thing about where he's going um but yeah it's really interesting you know i mean there's all these subtle cultural signals that we're sort of fed about gender just kind Mm -hmm. of, like, in media and in everything. And, like, a lot of times it's so subtle that if you were to be looking at it, you wouldn't think of it as offensive Um, because it's just not obvious. Uh, But if you start to look at things more closely through, like, a lens of, like, critical gender theory, uh, which, for the record, I never really wanted to do, but you have to become, like, a, a, a... a PhD in your own weird shit to get acceptance a lot of the time. (laughs) Like whatever it is about you that society doesn't accept right now, like you have to just become an advocate of it a lot of the time. Um, and yeah, so when you start to view this stuff through like a more critical gender theory, you start to be like, Holy shit. And see it everywhere. Um, and, um, it's really interesting. And I'm not like a like a gender abolitionist per se. Uh I think if some people really feel like being a man or a woman is like awesome and great for them, then that's awesome and they should feel great about it. Um but that's not how I feel.
0: Yeah, and I I am I'm not sure I ever realized how uh like you said, how in-depth the gender thing is until I had kids and until I was trying my best to not make them think they had to be one or the other, you know? Um, And that it was at that point where it was like, you know, everything for – babies is either pink or blue or just this weird white neutral thing and nothing fun and all the boys clothes have dinosaurs and all the girls clothes have sparkles and glitter and you know that it just it goes on and on um the it's just there's nothing gender neutral that you can buy for kids and i just started buying things Based on that specifically. And when my son, because they're 19 months apart, when my son would grow out of clothes, I would I would take things because I don't I don't want to force my girl to not be a girl if she wants to be one, but I don't want to make her yeah. think that she has to be. So I was picking all of these different colors that were not inherently known as being a girl's color. Like I was avoiding pink if I could, and taking his clothes and passing them on to her, because why not? <laughs> um and yeah. yeah, I don't know. I tried really hard. It's it's confusing, but yeah. It is confusing. When you um, become a parent, that's when it becomes like, whoa, this is a problem
1: almost. Yeah. Well, and I think if you're if you're a parent who is trying to be conscious of the way things work and maybe like is a little critical of society, right? Like not everybody feels True. that way, but certainly, you know, if you're looking at it with a little bit of a critical lens, you're going, hmm, this seems a bit. Odd. Um And so for me as a kid growing up, you know, I was experiencing that kind of confusion in my like day-to-day life where it was like, I didn't really want to exist in either of these categories. Um, and I didn't even know that I could have like an option really. So really mostly I just knew that I didn't particularly like being a boy. And it t- it wasn't until later that like, I kind of figured out that like, I also didn't want to be a woman and that like, I <laughs> th- that I was just really, you know, it took, and then, and then it was like, okay, so what the fuck's going on? And, you know, it wasn't really until I was in my mid twenties that um, I met people that taught me about the types of gender theory that included non-binary people. And I was like, Whoa, I could just not, do the normal gender thing and exist outside of that somehow. And, you know, the funny thing is, is that the people who were teaching me about this, their response to that wasn't, yes, you can. It was more like you already are because I was like, <laughs> the, I was, I, I was not straight passing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so people on that note have expressed anxiety over trying to make sure that everything they say is using they and them um because english isn't really made for i mean i can't narrow that down to just english because if you know anything about spanish and french you know that there's gender just built into the language as well oh yeah even but, more gendered <laughs> yeah even more than ours so what advice do you have for Anyone who's trying really hard not to offend, but doesn't really know how to approach verbal conversation, especially verbal, I would say, where you don't have time to expand before typing.
1: (laughs) I would say that, you know, just in general, this isn't even just a non-binary thing. A lot of people are just presumptive of male. Let's be honest. Like, uh, if they don't know the gender of someone that they're like emailing statistically a lot of people will just kind of like assume he and like this is getting better where people are doing this less but i just want to say like first and foremost this is a service to everyone like you should do this even if you're not sure about my identity because you just respect people and you respect all the people around you um but basically the most important thing is to just listen to the people around you. A lot of language is hyper-regional and specific. And I can give you some advice, but it's going to vary based on just where you live and who you hang out with. Um, for instance, like a big, this is a big one. And I, I think you asked me about this in, in the DMs before we recorded this, about dude. Didn't we talk yes. about this? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so like dude is something that I'm generally fine with. Um, if you said you're a dude, that's like an obviously gendered context for dude. And that's not comfortable. But like if if, if people are just like, sup, dude, like I'm kind of a West Coastie. And so everyone calls everyone dude, you know, yeah. two women hanging out call each other dude. But that's not universal. And it, it's just really important to keep that in mind that like if you're hanging out with me and I say, oh, yeah, it's fine to say dude in most contexts around me. Um, you can't translate that to being in another state hanging out with a different group of queer people. You just can't. And you have to accept that. Um, Yeah. I think that's hard for people because they want like an absolute rule.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I asked only because I know personally that I use dude for everything. Um, And I think I told you that. Inanimate objects, my cat, my kids, I call them dude. Like, and usually it's either... I'm expressing excitement, annoyance, or like asking a question um, are are my main three that I've noticed. So it'll be like, dude, I've had such a bad day or you're not going to believe what just happened. Or with my cat, if he's freaking out for no fucking reason, it's like, what the fuck, dude? Like, what is your problem? (laughs) And so I just wanted to make sure because – for anyone listening who doesn't know how Kennedy and I met, there was a big, um, I don't even know if I could call it argument. I don't know. Discourse. What happened? <laughs> yes. There was a, a big discourse on Twitter um, because of misgendering uh, that occurred. And I think it, it went even further because um, the person who it was with was trying to understand but maybe not asking questions in the right way or responding in the right way. And, of course, in writing, you can always uh, misunderstand each other. And I think it just it just went – I mean, it lasted for, like, what, like a day and a half, I think?
1: Yeah, ra- roundabouts. <laughs> um, and there was a lot of, like – it grew into – I mean, it wasn't, like, so huge. I'm not trying to overinflate what happened, but it did grow into a bit of a, a – just discourse about identity and gender and non-binary identities and Yeah, um, and of
0: course on Twitter, you know, people you don't even know can jump in on things. Um so I think that's I mean I didn't read everything and then a lot of it was deleted. <laughs> but yeah. um it seemed to me that a lot of people who didn't know you were jumping in and a lot of people who didn't know him were jumping in and maybe, maybe even people who really didn't have a leg to stand on as far as trying to defend you were jumping in um, and attacking <laughs> as well. And it just, it just got crazy for a little bit there, but that's how I was introduced to Kennedy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. And you know um, I will say, although uh, his initial response was like, to have a bit of a, 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 a weird thing about it, which is part of what led to the whole discourse. Like he, you know, backed down, deleted the posts that were um, a little out of line, not extremely out of line to be clear, but a little out of line, apologized. And, you know, we're, we've basically moved on. But of course the problem with something like that is that, you know, um, someone who hasn't, yet developed the ability to defend um, trans people in general but also more specifically non-binary people within that group um, is going to attract followers that don't like people like me and so those people came out of the woodwork and they were much worse Um, and
0: I will say that
1: although some of the people that defended me did it with uh quite a lot of venom it's important to know that or just always keep in mind that like uh when oppressed people are being marginalized by people who really don't have an understanding of that oppression and in this case we're talking about a a a, a cis straight person largely being defended in fact as far as i could tell entirely being defended by cis straight people i saw no queer people defending any of this um uh that like as the oppressed we can only lash out in this way um the oppressor can do a lot more to us yeah That's um and so yes like sometimes people online will get really upset when things like this happen and there are I'm lucky enough to you know have people that will kind of come out and uh, you know, stand for Kennedy if someone's being a real dick to me about gender in particular. Um, and and i I love those people. you 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 make it worth getting on Twitter. Um, <laughs> and uh, I'm grateful for that. And I know like I say, I know some of those people, and especially also some people that I didn't even really know at all, even more so, got got harsh. But like I say, you just kind of have to keep that in mind in my opinion that like this is this is all we have in terms of recourse. And the things that are happening to us are very serious. The consequences are very serious for us. So it's really easy for someone who's in the privileged position um, to feel like, um, you know, oh, I'm being attacked. This is the most awful thing. But actually, no, the most awful thing is being denied healthcare because of your gender identity. Um, It's being murdered because of your gender identity. Um, it's uh, being discriminated out of jobs because of your sexual identity. Um, All of this is a lot more severe than getting yelled at on Twitter.
0: Yeah, that's true. And that, I mean, that does bring me to another question that I've always wanted to ask. So my opinion has always been that the only place that you should ever have to report what your natural identity was or gender so to speak would be on medical documentation so that they can know what you might be susceptible to as far as illnesses or gender specific things that could kill you otherwise it shouldn't even be a question outside of that do you agree with that or are you on in the camp that even medical
1: professionals shouldn't know well this is complex because there's there's first of all there's gender and sex which often get just sort of freely exchanged um and sex is the generally the bi what's considered the biological like designation so to speak but even that actually is something that we need to reevaluate a little bit i would say like yes we need to have accurate medical documentation i will not disagree with that that is that is crucial um right. and that includes things like you know what features your body has, whether it's a unusual assortment of organs, like, you know, you have a kidney in the wrong place or something like that, or what genitalia you have. These things do somewhat matter, right? Yeah. But the
0: things that I go to generally, as far as that, as an example, if I'm ever having a debate with someone over that is, you know, um, ovarian cancer, is one of them. Unless you have everything fully removed, it's always going to be a problem. Um, you can't even use breast cancer as a go-to because that, we found over time, can actually happen to both uh, sexes.
1: So <laughs> there's, well, there's One that. of the reasons to maybe not always use that as such a important, we have to just, that box tells us so much kind of indicator. And that's to to get to my further point. Like, We have a whole issue with intersex right now, Mm -hmm. where intersex people are often being sort of designated a sex at birth, um, and then only finding out later in life that they have some kind of often invisible intersex aspect that does affect their healthcare. So, actually, just having a binary male female box hasn't been working out for around 1% to 2% of the population pretty much silently. And Mm -hmm. most people don't even really know this is going on. And if you try to bring it up, a lot of people think that you're being weird and political. And it's like, I mean, it is political because it has to be, but ideally this wouldn't be political. We would just be like, hey, we can't just drop people into this M or F box at birth. Yes, we can write down take some notes about, like I say, the composition Mm -hmm. of their body. Um, But like, this shouldn't necessarily be considered the end-all be-all because we know that some people are going to be born with one set of genitalia and then start producing the other set of hormones.
0: Yeah, and that's actually a pretty good point because even going back to what I said, when we first started detecting breast cancer in males – these people were much further along in the stages than, than they should have been for us to catch something like that, especially something that we knew so much about, only because yeah. they didn't expect that particular sex to get it. Now that we know enough about it, they look for that a, lo- a lot more often in males, but that's that's actually a perfect example, uh, to your point. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so you know, I think that like yes, there are some healthcare aspects, but like I think that a lot of times they're a little bit overblown in terms of like it should be considered more of a specific thing. Um
0: Yeah, so than, maybe like, take away yeah, I don't know <sighs> like remove male and female and put like what is your natural genitalia? Like what were you born with and that's it. Because really that is all they need to know. Like, did you have yeah. a penis or a vagina? Or and that, that's it. <laughs>
1: something maybe in between that. Because again, yeah. this is like, this is one of the big doors that we need to open right now is for intersex people. Um, yeah. And that was the whole, like something I didn't really know about until I was like getting into my gender studies that I realized that like, there was an opportunity to try to represent for people that are just sort of silently suffering and all of this along the way as well. Um, because this is like, It's just not, who talks about this,
0: right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I mean, I grew up in the South. Uh, I don't sound like it, but I grew up in the middle of nowhere in the South. And over there, (laughs) I remember growing up, if I had any friends, uh, just for example, my go-to is a friend of mine that I had um, in elementary school that was a female. Um, When he got older, He became he and started dressing like a male. And there wasn't any discussion or way to talk to anyone about an actual gender transition physically. And everyone just referred to that person as being gay. They're just gay. That's it. Um, So there wasn't any way to elaborate on that any further. And so I think going back to the dude, the usage of the word dude, the same thing can be applied to where you are regionally. How exposed are you to these ideas? Um, And that has a big effect on whether or not you're identifying yourself correctly in those situations as well.
1: Yeah. And that's like, I mean, just to speak to like my own childhood and identity, um, you know, uh, I again like I had no concept of being non-binary until I was in my 20s um before that you know I'm trying to figure it out in various forms but like the 90s were not exactly like wildly progressive socially um <laughs> they were I mean like look at just like TV in the 90s and it's like it's racist it's homophobic you know so oh, like my
0: gosh. Yeah, I go right back to Ellen DeGeneres every time on that one. When people bring up the nineties, the it's like Ellen DeGeneres and Roseanne, here we go. Those are your examples of how people can just be terrible in every way, yeah. especially in show business, I think, would be a good yeah. one. Yeah. No role models. There were there were none.
1: None. Yeah, exactly. I had I had no role models. And so like um uh growing up uh kind of mostly in kind of the South and Midwest for a lot of my initial youth before moving to New Mexico around the time that I was a high schooler, um, which was like the best culture shock of my life. Um, (laughs) uh, uh, There was, there was no, there were no role models. There was no representation. Um, uh, I was given what was considered a relatively woke book to give uh young kids about gender and sexuality and it was not that woke let me tell you (laughs) (laughs) like it was still very limited like it did um teach me enough about uh sex and safe sex to you know get a, a little further on those issues than you know some people that i grew up around and i guess i'm grateful for that but it did not its whole like section on homosexuality was as backwards as it could be and very limited um well backwards as it could be while still kind of trying to be like we accept you um
0: (laughs) yeah that's like all those people screaming all lives matter back. <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. You
0: tried You missed you, the mark a little you, bit.
1: You, you you really missed. Um you thought maybe you were. Well, some of them didn't think they were, but that's a whole other thing. Anyway, um so <laughs> so you know, so I'm I'm a kid and, and basically like I'm trying to figure out what's going on because like uh I'm supposed to hang out with the boys, but I don't like hanging out with like the toxic masculine boys. And so eventually, like, the group of friends that I end up in is, like, a mixed gender group of kids that isn't, like, particularly uptight and, like, largely kind of hippie-ish parents, you know? Um, (laughs) Yeah, I know.
0: My parents were like that, too.
1: (laughs) Yeah. um, And, like, they weren't, like, incredibly woke, but at least they, like, didn't really care if, like, occasionally one of the the boys put on a dress or something, you know, like, um, but if you did it too many times, then they would kind of be like, concerned, because especially, I feel like this was basically the attitude of a lot of our parents of this day was just like, and I'm just getting way off topic, but I'll try to bring it back around. I think a lot of the attitude of our parents of this day was um, that it was okay to be gay, but gosh, it would make your life harder. It would be nice if you just turned out to be straight.
0: <laughs> yeah, or or to add on to that, <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. If you're gay, just continue to look like you're not. Yeah,
1: just just try to be as quote unquote normal as possible so that no one gives you a hard time. Um, <laughs> Which is, you know, just, just a wonderful way to grow up. Oh my gosh. Loved it. Um, so, <laughs> so, so, uh, to so, bring
0: this back around before yeah, yeah. I forget. So personally I had, I had one of those weird experiences with, with English uh, specifically revolving around you. I think it was yesterday. Um, So for context, I I was in advanced English from middle school all the way through high school, and so it's ingrained in me certain ways of speaking and um, trying to replace certain words in a sentence that aren't usually used that way. When we're talking critically about English itself as a language, it breaks my mind. It's like trying to get someone who's who's a mathematician to like insert something bogus into their, I don't even know how to make a math joke because I hate math. Um, anyway so I think it was yesterday I was trying to talk to someone and it it was verbal I was talking to someone and I was trying to talk about you and I hitting it off and being able to talk and through the course of conversation I got to a point where I would usually use the word he and I did and then immediately was like or they or whatever and then I just kind of stood there for a minute it was like I don't even know how to say what I just said with the right verbiage that I'm supposed to. (laughs) Um, Does that happen around you a lot or do people just try to avoid? I'm finding that I'm I'm forming my thoughts as I'm saying it, but I'm finding with you specifically, because I don't know anyone else who would like to be referred to as they or them. I do have a lot of people who are in the community that I know, but they have chosen one gender or the other to go by. Um, So I'm finding that It's easy for me to speak to you specifically and avoid those terms. But when I'm trying to talk to someone else about you, that's when I have an issue trying to make the words work.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think it's an adjustment for everyone. Um, But we make adjustments to our language all the time. They don't always happen quickly, you know. Um, Sometimes it takes a little while for a word to sort of. Uh, gain acceptance even after it's in the popular vernacular, but usually, eventually it does because, uh, you know, most linguists and linguistic scholars recognize that, you know, language is this tool that we use and um, it's all about how we use it. Um, Is it a challenge for a lot of people? Yes. Is it occasionally a challenge for me? Yeah. I, I, I sometimes struggle not to gender things because our language is so gendered. I it's uh, occasionally misgender myself. I occasionally misgender uh some of my non-binary friends because it is a challenge. Um I'm not saying that it happens a lot because obviously it's something I think about a lot, but I'm just saying even for me, there are, you know, words that are so gendered or like ways of speaking that are so gendered that are hard to get out of. Um
0: I think that's comforting for a lot of people, probably to hear. Um yeah, I, <laughs> It's like we do we do kind of need to develop a a third term to use. Um, the And it, it's not like... I think the part that breaks my brain the most is when I have to refer to you when I'm speaking to someone else as they when you're one person. I think that's the thing that confuses people that I'm speaking to and then also myself <laughs> as I'm saying it. It's like, you know, there's ways obviously in the English language to use they or them for one person that makes sense. But when you use that in a way that doesn't make sense, where it sounds like you're talking about multiple people, that's when I'm I'm immediately like I'm saying the wrong thing. I don't know how to communicate with you anymore. Um, <laughs> we need a third one to replace he and she and her and him. You know,
1: um. some people do like neo pronouns. For me personally, it's not maybe if I heard the right ones, I'd feel different. I don't know. I can't say, but I haven't, I haven't really gotten into that idea. Um, I think that, you know, people do relatively understand how to use a singular they them. And it's just an adjustment of making sure that people understand that, yeah, sometimes this is going to be done in a slightly new context. But my favorite thing to always say about singular they them is everybody knows how to use it when you're gossiping. Because, mm. like, as soon as you kind of need to, like, obfuscate someone's gender, like, people, like, know how. Or, like, there there's definitely, like, situations where people, like, sort of know to do this for various reasons. And it's just mostly a matter of applying it to an, a situation where people aren't as used to it.
0: Yeah, it's weird for me trying to give you an example right now. I feel like I'm going to have to catch myself when it's happening and literally go write it down. I'm gonna I'm gonna worry whoever <laughs> I'm talking to because I'm just gonna disappear for a second. Like, Hold that thought. Um, because I remember in the conversation, I did it multiple times perfectly using they and them. And then all of a sudden I hit a situation where I said, he. And then I was like, I corrected myself and then I was like, how do I say that properly with they and them without indicating that I'm talking about multiple people and I'm actually not? <laughs> so, but now when I'm trying to come up with a, a example for you, I can't because I get what you're saying. Um there are ways naturally in, in the language to use those when you're talking about one person and never indicate that you're not talking about one person, you know?
1: Yeah i think it's just a matter of context and maybe there's like context clues we can give you know i love uh sign language because when you talk about people um in sort of the third person type of way you like point to a spot and then that's that person um Hmm. and so you can like like talk about like up to like three or four different people at a time without being super confusing, <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, there's no gender involved. You know, there's just a uh, there's just a this is the person we're currently talking about. They occupy a space in this conversation, um, and uh, uh, it would be nice to be able to have that in the English language. But that's even more of a stretch, really. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so,
0: I just. Uh,
1: I think if people could just get used to the context clues of like there's a lot of words that we know we have to use the context clues to figure out exactly what they mean. A lot of times we're just kind of used to they them being a sort of word where we don't have to do that. Um, And uh, we just need to like shuffle it over to the other category with stuff like words where the singular and the plural is the same or things like that, you know, where you just have to use the context or you might Get confused, and that's tough. But, like, if you get used to it, then it's not right because, like, (laughs) no one gets confused about like uh deer anymore, (laughs) like the animal, right? Like, yeah, you just look at the context and you know that's one deer or that's many deer. Uh, we can do it with this too. That's how I feel,
0: (laughs) (laughs) true. And, I mean, really. Anyone who's going through what I'm going through, which is just like English 101, trying to break it um, entirely and get out of their habits, should probably remember that French people have it way worse. Um, So much worse. (laughs) Yeah, I, I took French in high school. I can still read it somewhat, but I can't speak it fluently. But I do vividly remember that inanimate objects can have a gender based on who's using it. So I feel so bad for French people who are trying to accept this non-binary non um, thing into their daily lives because I can't imagine trying to figure out how to refer to inanimate objects whose, whose name, the base name itself changes based on who's using it. <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: there are That's really but, like
0: you have one or the other,
1: right? Well, it kind of is. And there are some people that are kind of working on this because there are some, small exceptions in the language that they're kind of trying to leverage and just get people to think about similarly to kind of what I'm saying here that like, Hey, uh, you make an exception in the language in this case, just make it more, you know? (laughs) Um, and, uh, just getting people to think about like the exceptions they would already make. Um, and, uh, yeah, but I will say, yeah, I, I, I just need everybody to change how they think about, one set of pronouns um not the rest of the language for the most part so that's a lot easier
0: (laughs) true because i mean now my brain is thinking about um someone non-binary having a child and what would they be because there's a mom and dad which is another thing just going even deeper into the gender roles like you were mentioning earlier in this
1: episode
0: And it's interesting
1: for me because sometimes I I don't know, Um, you know, uh, and sometimes I would like a better answer for sure. Um, (laughs) Do I think that I'm going to get uh, better answers to every gendered word in my lifetime? No, probably not. But it would be cool if like we could move away from so much gendered language um, and uh, just, you know, be a little more open with the way that we speak about things. And, you know, especially, like, it would have been great for me as a kid to not be so constrained, as I keep saying. So, like, just thinking with a little bit more freedom about gender, I think would be awesome for everyone to do so that we can all be more accepting of each other.
0: Yeah. And so you, you had mentioned earlier that sex and gender are freely... Um, tossed around. And I think to expand on that a little bit further, so is um, who you're attracted to really, um, sexual preference. So there's your biological sex, there's your gender, and then there's also your sexual preference. And there's right. so many terms that need to cover all three of those things. And all three of those things have multiple things beneath them that <laughs> you know other than biological sex which like we said needs to be expanded upon but currently there's only two the others there's there's a large amount and even I don't understand them myself um so I mean do you have issues with people just immediately assuming based on you being non-binary that you're that you're gay that you're not attracted to women that you're I mean just I would. I feel like people throw those things together when they hear uh, of a gender; they immediately assume the sexual preference as well.
1: Well, so this is interesting because this kind of gets to the core of what does it even mean to be non-binary, um, and this like gets back a little bit to what I mentioned earlier of like the fact that like I am not straight-passing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's it's not possible for me to have a straight relationship because. I am not straight passing. If someone mm. dates me, they are inherently doing something that is not straight and taking all of the risks that come with that, as some of my partners have learned unexpectedly because they didn't really understand necessarily upfront what they were getting into and the way that I am sometimes treated societally. Now, luckily, where I live now, I am rarely discriminated against. I'm super grateful for it. But I've lived in places where I have experienced very extreme forms of discrimination. And um, yeah, it's like I say, I no one can get into a relationship with a non-binary person and think that it could possibly be straight unless we somehow change the definition of straight. Because right now, straighthood is essentially like a, it is a, it is an eliminatory designation um or it it's like uh basically you have to check all the boxes or pretty much all of them or you're kicked off that's how it works (laughs) yeah so (laughs) like uh, did you ever did you ever uh you know, are you, a, are, you, are you a man and you ever suck some dick? Uh-oh, maybe you're not straight. We've got to check you off the list. Even though, like, you're you're married to a woman and, like, that was really just a thing that you just tried one time and it shouldn't have to feel like a huge deal. You know? Um, yeah, like, this that's, comes, that's this is yeah. the same
0: thing as kink shaming. Like, how can you expect people to be able to just try whatever and see if they like it if we can't do the same with who we're attracted to it doesn't make any sense to me like oh yeah I totally tried leather and and bondage and and I didn't like it um so I'm not you know that's like somebody's hearing that and saying oh but you're totally into bondage You're, you're BDSM all the way that's your thing you have a kink that's the same, that's the same thing that you're just forcing this on someone. (laughs) It's your ideas of things on another person.
1: Yeah, so it's complicated, obviously. And like, I mean, the thing is, is that a lot of times categories like straightness aren't really invented until the need to discriminate other people exists. So like, (laughs) This is like a weird because literally no one used the term straight to 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 uh, describe a sexual orientation until the forties. Do you know that?
0: Yeah. Wow. No, I didn't know that. But when you said it, it totally made sense immediately. I got what you were saying.
1: Yeah. It's... Yeah. It it was it was literally created as like these these sort of passively derogatory like I'm normal kind of ways of speaking. So like. Um, No, I could never consider myself straight or any relationship that I was in straight because that's not how society works.
0: (laughs) Yeah. so You know, I discovered, um, much like you, I think I knew at a very young age that I wasn't only attracted to one gender. It was just whoever, really. But the only... Again, coming back to where I was at at the time, the only descriptor for um, what I w- I was feeling at the time that made sense to the people around me was bisexual. And so yeah. um, I identified myself as bisexual. It came out. I mean, um, I was bullied in school. There was some crazy stuff that went on specifically among the girls um, in my classes. And of course, you're forced into gender-specific Changing rooms for like gym class and things, and that was where they would attack me over this. Um, Mm. It was terrible, and so I got I got a taste because honestly, I don't feel like I don't feel like I even saw the half of it. You know, I just happened to live in a really conservative country town that took me being bisexual very seriously, and thus the bullying occurred. But it. Uh, I don't feel like I went through half of what anyone else would um in that community, so um,
1: hey, you shouldn't say that though. I mean, I think a lot of people overestimate how straight passing they were and how it wasn't really so bad that that type of harassment is significant you should you should feel okay owning that
0: <laughs> well, thank you um, yeah, sometimes I have a hard time talking about it cuz i just i mean you know i have kids i was married to a man at one point um i'm just attracted to whoever i'm attracted to i don't even know if bisexual is the right term now that we know more about um you know how how this all works really and i'm not even sure if how this works is the right way to describe it but um there's there's a better understanding that people there are groups of people who can be attracted to anyone um and that's what i would identify myself as. If you have the right personality and we click, i mean it could happen. That's just who i am. It doesn't matter what your what you identify as specifically. Um so maybe think- that that brings me to another part i was going to ask you like what am i? <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, so well i think this is this is interesting because this covers a lot of things. I want to say first of all, you know It's okay to recognize that there's a bit of duality or paradoxical nature to queer identities sometimes where um, in any given situation, some queer identities are going to be more readily accepted as sort of passing than others. And so like for a lot of people that identify as bisexual, um, they feel like, well, I identify as bisexual and yes, I've experienced very real harassment for it but i'm in a you know straight passing relationship now and so i kind of don't count and what you have to in my opinion realize in that situation is that there's a bit of a paradoxical truth of you both count and you have a privilege that you can recognize too like yes in some situations you will be able to pass as straight when you wouldn't be able to otherwise and that is like worth recognizing that like there is a privilege to that and that maybe some people don't have. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that like none of the exper like uh sort of bigotry that you've ever experienced or ever will experience is invalid somehow. Um, true. And Thank I you. think yeah. And, you know, I, I hope anybody out there that's listening that's kind of in that place hears this and really understands that that, you know, yes, there's there's always a responsibility to recognize privilege. But um that doesn't make um that doesn't make the other stuff that real so as far as you know uh identity uh in terms of sexual orientation this is this is not something that is entirely well defined a lot of this stuff is still like something that's being pioneered to some extent in terms of like we're still kind of figuring it out um and um for some people um what that looks like right now is like new bisexual theory um which is like um, saying that bisexuality is that all-encompassing being attracted to anyone's sexuality. Um, for some people, that's pansexual, um, which was a term that I used to really identify with because for me, it meant people that I was safe around. Um, but you know, now with new bisexual theory, it's more muddied and it's like, okay, um, and Basically, and there's there's other like there's other terms that people use, and what I would say is just like, just use whatever, use whatever feels good. (laughs) Um, A lot of times, I just say I'm gay, because I just think it's funny. It's like I'm sort of reappropriating, which I think like a lot of people on on Twitter are kind of on this boat. I'm certainly I didn't invent this idea, Um, but like uh i i just like the whole thing of just being like yeah i'm just gay um <laughs> and and it, it, i'm not gonna there's i don't i don't care about terms that much and i'm not gonna explain it um, <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, i think when it comes and, to sexuality the only time that really matters is if someone's trying to hit on you or you're trying to hit on someone else so uh you know otherwise just saying i'm 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 just gay. It's probably fine.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I actually my my sort of deepest theory on this stuff is that I think it would be really cool if we only referred to um sexual identity in a pure practical and present tense kind of way because um these things are kind of flexible and ever changing and it would be a lot there would be a lot less sort of struggle over this stuff to some extent if people would just say this is who I'm dating right now, or this is, these are the kind of people that I'm attracted to at the moment or things like that. But I also totally get like rallying behind banners and stuff, especially under the kind of societal conditions that we live in, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm not trying to diminish the idea of having identities, especially in the now. I'm just saying that like, it would be kind of cool if we maybe like backed off a little bit though of the idea of just hard codifying the idea of attraction and instead just talked about it in more practical terms.
0: And, you know, I think a lot of the Internet has really started down that path at this point. I mean, it it was meant to be funny when people first started seeing it, but then people started seeing it in a serious context, which is that I'm kind of gay for this person right now. <laughs> um, that term that you hear, you know, like straight men were saying it about other men or, or whoever they were talking about. And it, it was supposed to be a joke at first. And then it became a serious comment that people were making. I'm feeling kind of gay for this person right now. I think that's OK. And hopefully we can keep down that path because it seems like that's a positive way for us to go.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think unifying is good. But I also think, you know, um, every label that someone chooses, it means something. To them when they choose it and a lot of people kind of give this pushback a lot of the time i don't want to have to learn about every single thing you don't but when your friends and the people you respect say this is my identity add that particular identity to the reading list because you're a friend
0: right and the- <laughs> I, I literally said this in the last episode I recorded. I think I'm probably going to find an opportunity to say this particular thing in every single episode this year. We'll see if it keeps going. Um, d- it just comes down to don't be an asshole. Even if they're not your friend, you know, just try not to be a fucking asshole about everything. There's so many people these days that are just defaulting to being an asshole. If it's a thing you don't understand or agree with, learn to walk away for once. Fuck. Like, don't be an asshole to other people.
1: Yeah. When people tell you to log off, no one's trying to, like, silence you in general. People are generally looking out for you. <laughs> like, they're trying to tell you that, hey, like, you're you're being inappropriate with the way that you're treating other human beings. And you should go cool off so that you maybe realize this.
0: <laughs> yeah, right? Oh, man. So, <laughs> whew, all right. So, I mean, okay. So, one more thing. We're we're getting to a point now. This is going to be a crazy long episode if I keep asking you things. Um, okay. So, to keep this from running way over, but I I will say I definitely want you back at some point on here because I think we can expand on many topics, not just this one. Um, if we have a few more episodes, but for anybody out there who's Going through whatever you've been going through, if they're trying to figure out their identity or even their sexuality or, or how to approach conversations, I mean, what what advice would you give to them?
1: I think the most important thing is to just realize that, like, you're valid right now, even if you don't understand what it is that you need the validity for yet, you're already valid. You don't need to. You don't need to become an expert. Like, we need to, like, move past the point where people like me have to, uh, honestly, do media like this, although I'm grateful for you giving me the opportunity to do it, it's still media that I would hope one day doesn't have to be made anymore, <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. Um, um, so you don't have to become an expert to be valid. Um. And just be patient with yourself um, and just, you know, learn to believe that your feelings are worth listening to. And maybe you don't act on all of your feelings, but you hear them out, like as if they were your friends and they sat down with you to have a conversation. And maybe you don't agree with everything that your friends say in the conversation, but you listen and you you give it some thought. Um the way that you feel about gender, the way that you feel about sexuality, um, give those feelings that kind of room to come sit down with you as as a friend and uh, tell you how they're feeling, and you know, see how that feels to you, and just 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 uh, just try to just try to be as loving to yourself as possible, because that's what really counts in all of this is just just being happy with yourself and accepting it, and just. Just learning to just be in that place where you feel great because you're living the way that you want to and you're not beating yourself up for it.
0: That's beautiful. That's better than I could have imagined anything coming out of your mouth after I asked you that question. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're too kind. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining me today and thank you again for what you said to me about you know what I was what I've gone through in my life um, in regards to that and how I should approach the community Um, I've never heard anybody tell me that it was a form of privilege but I completely understand exactly what you meant by that and it also made me feel a lot better about actually um trying to own and maybe join the community in in the fight that they're going through a little bit better and understand how to approach that.
1: Well here's the thing. You're in the community. It's just that you don't know it and we don't know it. Yeah. But um <laughs> but you the thing about the LGBTQ um and any other letters that anyone would like to add because <laughs> I'm I'm into it. I'm here for it. Let's keep adding. Um um is that the thing about this community is that it's a community of necessity and, um, it exists for you because you need it, not because it needs you. If that makes sense.
0: True. Very true. Well, for anyone uh, listening that wants to hear more from you or, uh, follow you, where can they find you?
1: So uh, I'm at Kennedy T. Cooper on Twitter. It's great to follow me there because I do a lot of different projects and I post about all of them, at least sometimes on there. Um, you can also follow the show that I do the most of, Not Safe for Wonks, at NSF Wonks on Twitter or go to YouTube.com slash Not Safe Media. Um, and uh, yeah, that's the that's the best places. And just, just come hang out with me on Twitter. That's That's where I'm at.
0: <laughs> thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me on. It was a it was a really interesting conversation and I'm glad that I got to have it because we need to talk about this stuff more, all of us.
0: Oh yeah, and I will be inviting you back for sure. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Hard Truth. So glad that you could join us. For more information on how to get a hold of this week's guest or ways to support them, please check the description below. And as always, check out patreon.com slash hardtruthpod for ways to support me. Thank you so much. Your support is everything.